Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. This morning I want to minister on the subject of prayer. Over the last couple of months, I have been impressed by the Spirit to emphasize the value of spiritual growth and development, both here as well as in our evening services. I have taught extensively on the benefits of spiritual maturity. And I believe this, this alone, spiritual development and spiritual maturity, should be the goal and the pursuit of every believer who desires to please God and to become fruitful in every good work. So, can I have a little bit lower, please, is echoing. Thank you. There are two primary ways in which the Holy Spirit works with us, and He leads us in order to bring this about in the life of the church. Now, the first one, is a wholehearted devotion to the Word of God, and second, a devotion to the ministry of prayer, both on an individual basis as well as on a corporate level. So when I speak of our devotion to the Word of God, I am referring not to just reading the Word, but I am referring to diligently study the Word for yourself, spend time in it meditating the Word so that you can get to understand what the Word says and be empowered and enabled to put into practice that which we know from the Word of God. That's what I mean when I say being wholly devoted to the Word of God. Amen? But also being obedient to the guidance and to the instructions of the Spirit within us as He leads and guides us onto the journey of spiritual maturity. I mean, that is His primary task. The moment you get born again and become a child of God, the Spirit comes to live within you in order to guide and to lead you and take you out of a babyhood stage into a stage of spiritual maturity and spiritual development. But we need to be flexible. We need to be sensitive to the promptings and to the leadership of the Spirit who lives within us. Amen? We cannot ignore Him and develop spiritually. Amen? So that is so important. Now, both the Word of God and the ministry of prayer are spiritual exercise that develop spiritual growth 
and spiritual maturity, both on an individual basis as well as the, the corporate body of Christ. And I have noticed through my years of experience, both in my own personal life as well as in the life of the people that I minister to, that I walk with, when these two spiritual disciplines are neglected, either by individual believers or the corporate body, we see a deterioration of the health and the spiritual vitality of the church. It starts to affect every areas of our lives, our relationships, our work, uh, the life of the church. There is no vibrancy. There is no spiritual passion or desire to move ahead with God, to share the gospel with others, to pray for other people. All of these areas are terribly affected when we neglect to give ourselves both to the Word of God as well as to the ministry of prayer. You will find that offenses will come in and you will not have the strength to deal with them. You will find that temptation easily makes you fall. You have no spiritual fortitude to stand or resist the temptations that come against you. And that, you can trace it right back to the negligence of these two spiritual disciplines. I always uh, imagine or picture the two wings of an eagle. The one is our devotion to the Word of God, and the other is the ministry of prayer. The eagle can only soar when both wings are functioning, and he rises above the storms. And so it is with us. Christians are symbolized as eagles, that we rise above the circumstances, above the worldly temptations. And by the power of the Spirit, we soar and we overcome everything the enemy throws against us. But when those two spiritual disciplines are neglected, we fall down below. And we struggle in the flesh. And we, we can't seem to overcome the desires, the lusts of the flesh. We fall into temptation. That's why Jesus said, pray, he told his disciples, that you may not enter into temptation. Temptation will come, but you don't have to enter it. You don't have to bow to it. That is if your spirit is fortified by these two spiritual disciplines. Amen? Are you with me so far? So this morning I'm going to teach on the ministry of prayer and its importance when it comes to our spiritual maturity. Now the Bible teaches that there are various kinds of prayer, not just one kind of prayer. And you can see that throughout the New Testament. But the kind of prayer I want to focus on this morning is the prayer of petition, supplication, and intercession as is recorded in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. This is what Paul 
say to Timothy when he wrote to him, he said, therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, the word supplicate means to humbly and earnestly entreat or petition. Synonyms of the word supplicate are to appeal or to beseech. The word intercede means to plead on behalf of another person. It is a prayer to God on behalf of another. Now, let me say this at the outset of our time together on the subject of prayer, and particularly the prayer that I'm referring to. No individual, no family, no organization or church can succeed and go forward in the Lord without this kind of ministry supporting them. That's so important. We will fail at every turn unless we are supported by this ministry of prayer. In fact, I am convinced, knowing what I know and what the Lord has taught me over the years, that every failure we experience in our Christian endeavor can be traced back to prayer failure. Prayer failure, both on an individual basis as well as on a corporate level. I still recall the word of the Lord which came to me many years ago in prayer saying, Son, you began this ministry on your knees in prayer, and you will only be able to sustain it through your consistent prayer. And that is a fact. Now, notice what Paul said to Timothy. He said, you do this first of all. First, not second, not third, first. And he's revealing to us the law of first things. If he says, do it first of all, then we need to do it first of all. Amen? We pray about everything and anything. Praise God. Now, let's take a look at the parable in which Jesus taught his disciples about this kind of prayer, the prayer that perseveres, the prayer that never, never relents, never lets go until final victory. And Jesus said to them or gave them in his teaching a parable. And we read this this portion of Scripture from Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard men, 
Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with him? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Question mark. Now, the kind of prayer Jesus is referring to here is not just an ordinary prayer. Not just a, any prayer, but prayer that originates from the heart and not from the head. Prayer that begins in the heart, not in the head. And this kind of prayer is heartfelt. It is passionate. It is fervent. It is persevering. And it begins with God and it ends with Him. This is so important for us to understand. You cannot work this up. This is the work of God within us. These kind of petitions, intercessions, supplications begin with God and they end with Him. That's why it is of the heart. Where does God dwell? In our heart, not in our head. And so often uh, we are too quick to pray. We should never be too quick to pray. We should always wait on God until the presence of the Lord touches our hearts and puts a desire or a passion or a burden on our hearts. And we take that in prayer and we push in the Spirit until final victory. Amen. Now, most of us don't know anything about this, but that's why we're teaching it, because it is so vitally important. This is the kind of prayer, I believe, that God the Father, by His Spirit, initiates, and not only that, He directs us how to pray, how to wrestle, how to fight in the Spirit in the field of prayer. And this is so important. Until final victory. You don't give up until you know that you know that you know there has been a breakthrough. That's why I said it begins with God and it ends with Him. And this is the kind of prayer that... Well, let me say this. If... if that is the type of prayer that God wants, that He initiates it, He guides and directs it by His Spirit, then what role do we play in this all-important ministry of prayer? What do we do? Remember the word that says that, for it is God who works in you, both to will or the desire, and to do his good pleasure. So then, what role do we play? And this is where 
it is so important. Our part is to make ourselves available to the Spirit of God. We surrender. We make ourselves. We make time. And we yield to the Spirit of God as He works with us, as He helps us pray the very will of God for ourselves as well for those He has given us the grace to pray for. Now, in Romans 8, 26 and 27, a very important verse when it comes to the ministry of prayer, such prayer that I'm talking to you about today. And this is what Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now, weaknesses here is our ignorance, our infirmities. And he goes on to explain, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We know how to pray. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. But we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And this is where the Spirit comes to our assistance. How? But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Have you ever waited before God and there are, there are no words that are coming out of your mouth, but there is such a force within you that cannot be expressed with articulate words? All you do is groan in the Spirit. That kind of prayer makes much power available because it comes from the heart. Amen? It is passionate. Now, verse 27, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So this is what the Spirit does. He searches the heart of God and He knows what is in the heart of God. He searches our hearts and He knows what is in our hearts. He knows our needs. He knows things that your head doesn't know. Somebody asks you to pray for someone. Well, you know what the person is, is going through. But very often we do not know what causes that person to go through what he's going through or the pain in his body, what the root cause is. You don't know. So what do we do? We just pray generally rather than wait and say, Lord, I don't know how to pray or what to pray for this situation, but I am trusting you, Holy Spirit, to guide me. He knows. So because the Spirit knows the heart of God and our heart, He brings us together in the Spirit and we begin to push and wrestle and bring down those things that are hindering either the healing or the situation. Amen? Or whatever it is that is blocking the power of God from being released into that situation. You've got to understand that we have an enemy that opposes us. And the greatest area where he concentrates his attacks 
is in the area of your prayer life. If he can stop you there, he will stop the work of God in you and through you. And I have experienced that a number of times. If he can stop your fervent prayer, then he will stop the work of God in you and through you. You will remain in that situation, both personally or the people you're praying for. A church that does not know how to wrestle in the Spirit will not go forward. No matter how good the preaching is, no matter how good the teaching is, the preaching or the programs, how fancy they are, that we introduce so many times, nothing will work until the ministry of prayer goes ahead of the ministry and breaks down those barriers, those oppositions, those restrictions that are keeping the church locked inside. There are invisible spiritual walls that the enemy has managed to put around both on a personal level and on a church level. Those walls have to be broken, have to be pulled down. Amen? That's why the Word says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness in this world. That's why the, the Word of God teaches us to put on the armor of God. And that armor is nothing less than a prayer armor. That's when you need to put the armor on. In prayer, praying always with all kinds of prayer, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. You see, it is, it is, it is a prayer armor. And we must learn to put that armor on and fight with the weapons that God has given us that are far stronger, far mightier than anything the devil can bring against you. Amen. You see, many of our prayers are just mouthing words. Just, just say words. Giving lip service to this powerful ministry of prayer. They are lifeless so often, empty, without substance or real passion. Amen? I am not sharing this to condemn anyone, but I just want to emphasize that such prayers will not go anywhere. Amen? Now, and I sense that as a church, and I'm talking about the wider body of Christ, we hardly scratch the surface when it comes to this kind of prayer that moves God and causes the devil to tremble. This is an area, I believe, that we need to be taught again and again, not just with word, but also in practice. Where, where some of us who are more mature, who experience what I'm talking about, gather believers and teach them how to wrestle in prayer, how to pray effectively. And if there's one ministry in this house that is terribly lacking, is the ministry of prayer. There's no question about it. Now, 
I personally believe there are some individuals that will never be free, they will never be restored or healed without this kind of prayer. Giving them the word is not enough unless they are carried by someone into the presence of the Lord. Remember the four friends of a paralyzed man? They, they carried him, the Bible says. They put him in a bed, and the four of them carried him or, in, or tried to bring him into the presence of Jesus who was preaching at a certain house. But as they came, the, all the doors were blocked by the crowds that were there. So what did they do? They climbed up the roof, they broke the tiles, and they lowered the man into the very presence of God. And Jesus spoke. The moment he came into the presence of God, the battle was over. But it took a lot of courage and a battle. Imagine climbing up the roof, breaking the tiles, and lowering the men down. Those things speak of the resistance that we find in some cases to bring the person into the presence of God because they are unable to do so. It is our responsibility to carry that, that person into the presence of God, but before we can do that, we're going to have to smash and break down those resistance that, that hinder or resist us from bringing them into the presence of God. And that is not an easy job. Prayer is hard work. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Amen. So you may, have, you may have someone whom you need to bring into the presence of God. You try to witness to them. You try to speak to them. Nothing works. They are not open. They're closed. Well, you need to take up that, that challenge. But as you wait on God and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Holy Spirit, help me to pray for this person whom I care about, whom you've given me grace to pray. Do you think God will answer such prayer? Do you think God will answer such prayer? Of course He will. He's looking for men and women who are willing, who are, who are surrendered, who yield and say, Lord, here I am. There's work to be done. I'm here to do that work as you help me by your Spirit as you promised here. Amen? So in order to succeed and advance in this ministry, we need to understand that we are not expected to do this on our own ability or strength. It is impossible. God the Father through the Spirit as I say, is the initiator of this kind of prayer, and we must wait on God to touch our hearts in order to inspire and anoint us to pray for the people and for the things He gives us grace to pray for. Now, this is where the challenge comes. Most of us don't have the time because we are far too involved with our own lives, with the business of life, 
with the things that we need to be doing. And as a result, all of us tend to suffer loss. Because if God is going to move on you, he won't move in five minutes, not even in ten, and sometimes not even in half an hour. Are you listening to me? Because often, I don't know about you, but about me, I come to prayer and my mind is all over the place. I can still my body, but how can I still my mind? That is, oh, this and that. That needs to be done. That needs to be done. This person needs to be called. And your mind is all over. Now, for the Lord to be able to come with His presence and calm you, you're going to have to give Him time. Amen? You can say amen. You're going to have to give him time. Not just quality, but quantity. Remember that it is God who works in us, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And that means in prayer as well. Amen? So we need to set ourselves before him in full surrender and wait for the unction of the Spirit. John says, you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Here it is. I know this, that unless the Lord fills our hearts with compassion for those we pray for, we cannot persevere in prayer with success. And John says, in 1 John 2, 20 and 27, two verses, verse 20 and verse 27 of 1 John chapter 2. Verse 20 says, But you have an unction or an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. That's a huge verse of Scripture. I mean, you've got to shut off your mind and open your heart to receive that. You have an anointing. From, from who? From the Holy One. And you know all things. Verse 27, But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. All things. Does that include prayer? Amen. Amen. So notice two things. First, you have the all-knowing anointing abiding. Second, the anointing teaches you concerning all things, and that includes prayer, the prayer ministry. And I remind you of Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, as I mentioned, if the anointing is to teach, to guide, to help us in this all-important ministry of prayer, we need quality and quantity of time in the presence of the Lord in order to be touched and inspired to pray the way God wants us to pray. And as I mentioned, this is not a practice that we can rush through. That is, of course, if you want to move God, 
with your prayer by engaging with Him against the principalities and powers that resist us all the way. So, this takes purpose and quality decision. We set ourselves purposefully before God and wait. I say, wait. How long? Until you sense the anointing, the presence. As you do this, as you practice this, you will learn, you will know when the anointing touches you. Amen? You may want to pray or in other tongues for a while. I do that sometimes. That will enable us to catch the mind of the Spirit. So such prayer that is inspired and directed by the Spirit, I believe it cannot go unanswered or ignored by God. It cannot. Now, in sharing these instructions, I'm reminded of the word Jesus said as he concluded his parable. Remember what he asked? Will the Son of Man find such faith on the earth when he returns? He said these words in regards to the ministry of prayer. Did he not? Will he find that kind of perseverance? Will he find that kind of faith, that kind of passion from his people that know how to wrestle in prayer, that never give up until they break through whatever needs to be broken through. Amen? You see, the reason Jesus used this widow woman is because she wore the unjust judge, she wore him out, who is the picture of the devil himself. Because he said, I don't care for people, I don't care for anybody, I don't care for, I only care for myself. Remember what he said? So, whose picture is that? Yes. The opposer. The one who doesn't care. Whether you, he, actually he wants to destroy us. And this, this, this widow woman with the perseverance, she caused him to retreat. Retreat from opposing the will of God in her life. She wasn't wrestling with God, asking him to give her what he has already given. You need to understand that we don't wrestle with God. God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. The wrestling is not with God. The wrestling is with those that oppose the will of God in our lives. And this unjust judge, who is a picture of the enemy, was opposing the will of God in her life. And she didn't give up. She came back again and again and again and again until he retreated. He walked away. And she received what she asked for. And that's why the scripture teaches us. We do not wrestle against people or against flesh and blood, but against 
principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We wrestle in prayer until when? Until we dethrone them from the illegitimate place of authority in the heavenly places. They are illegitimate. They have no authority. So we bring them down. And so many times, though, the church has given up in our assignments where the ministry of prayer is concerned, and we retreated in defeat, and we come up with all sorts of excuses. Oh, it's not the will of God. Or we find some other excuse. No. God's will is to bless us. God's will is to prosper us. God's will is to give us a future that is blessed for us and our children and our children's children. Amen? And we need to put the failure where failure is deserved to be put on. It's a prayer failure. And as I mentioned, we're not wrestling with God here. A thousand times, no. God has blessed us already. We wrestle against these wicked powers that oppose us in receiving what God promised us. And this is the reason we need God, we need the Holy Spirit to initiate, to anoint, to direct our wrestling until the enemy retreats, until the resistance is broken. And you know you've broken through. I'll explain how you know. But first, I want to give you this biblical instruction concerning this type of prayer that we are teaching today. James says in chapter 5, verse 16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, in other words, with weaknesses and failures like you and I. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The Amplified says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Power available to do what? to deliver, to set free, to heal, to break through. James takes the example of Elijah the prophet in the Old Testament and gives us a picture of what fervent and persevering prayer can do. And in case we think more highly of Elijah than we ought to think, James says that Elijah was as human as you are with weaknesses, with failures, and all of that. But... When he persevered in prayer as a man who is righteous, not once but twice, he shut heaven up once and he opened heaven the second time he prayed that way. And yet, he was no more and no less human than you and I are today. Do you think that he had his weaknesses? Of course he did. Elijah fervently prayed, and he was heard because he was righteous. So we could also pray and prevail. 
because the Bible says those who are born again are made righteous in the eyes of God. And the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears, the Bible says, are open to their cry. But that God has to hear our cry. Amen? The difference between us and Elijah was that he persevered until final victory. The Bible says that he placed his face within his knees, and he prayed seven times. Now, seven times represents the perfect number. What's the perfect number? Pray until final victory. Amen? Don't stop wrestling in prayer until you push back the forces of darkness and the light of God breaks through, bringing forth the very will of God in the situation or the person you're praying for. Amen? As we persist in prayer, that's when God moves. How will I know when I have broken through in prayer? Or that I have done all I needed to do concerning the matter or the person that I have been interceding for? Well, from my experience, I can tell you this. Often the Spirit of God gives me a note of victory. And sometimes I sing... And when I sing by the anointing of the Spirit, as I'm in prayer, I know, I've broken through. Other times, and it happened also not that often, but I start laughing in the Spirit. Now, this you do in your private prayer life, folks. You just... (laughs) You don't put this up. It's done by the Spirit. And I can give you a scripture for it. The Bible says, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh at him. Laugh who? You know, God laughs at the devil many, many times. He just, the devil, he's angry, he's doing, and he's going to do this, and and God sits back and he just laughs. Why do we laugh? Because we've broken through. And we know now the battle is done. All we need to do now is stand in faith until we see the manifestation of what we've been praying for. Amen? The Spirit will let you know. He's not going to have you wrestle and wrestle because if you're led by the Spirit, you will know when it's done. Amen? You may have to pray two, three, four, five times for that same thing, but there will come a time when you know you've broken through and then you stop, you raise your hands and you praise God. That's when we break through. Amen? Praise God. Believe me, it's spiritual to laugh at the devil. Psalm chapter 2, verse 4. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. The New King James says, And he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. I'll tell you this. I don't think I've ever shared this before. But before I got born again, my wife and I were visiting her uncle. And in the conversation, the subject of God came up. And he was trying to convince me that there is a God. And I was adamant and arguing with him. There is no God. I mean, look at the things that are happening around you, like most of the ungodly people are saying today. Look at the killings, the wars, the famines, all the suffering in this world. There is no God. And uh, we left... 
after this argument. We went to our flat. We were still living in Johannesburg. And that night, that very night, I had a dream. It wasn't just any dream. It was a godly dream. And in the dream, I saw myself on the earth. There was fires and, and terrible things happening all around me. I looked up and I saw God in a form of a man with the elders sitting around him on the right and on the left. I've never read the Bible at that time. I found that afterwards that the elders sit, 24 elders. And God was looking at me and he was laughing. Because I said, there is no God. I tell you the next morning, (laughs) I changed my mind quickly. (laughs) And that was the first crack of my heart opening up to God. Praise God forevermore. God is so merciful, folks. And in conclusion, before I hand over to Michael, I want to quickly mention some of the benefits that arise from such prayers. And those benefits are listed in Isaiah chapter 52, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, Sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. First of all, there will be an awakening in the life of the church which will result in being endowed with inner strength. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. He's referring to the church. Second, the church that is praying will be clothed with the garments of an inward beauty and holiness that attracts sinners to the Lord. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Third, the church will experience a separation from the influence of the sinful age and from worldly and sinful activities. That's what the word says here. The uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Fourth, the overall result of being a prayerful church will be restoration in every sphere or domain of life in the church. Deliverance will take place from various bondages, physical healings. Most importantly, sinners will come to repentance and faith. And it is my conviction that when God gets involved in what we are building through fervent and persevering prayer, will stand the test of time and will continue to grow and develop into full maturity. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.